0: Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right end of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Now, this is a verse of scripture we quote a lot of times. I think most of us know this scripture by heart, nor by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. But this morning, I want to open and break the seals of the word of God a little bit so we can understand the context in which this scripture was given, so we can have Clarity and understanding in how to make the application. Are you hearing me this morning? So not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he, that is Zerubbabel, shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Amen? Can you just say grace, grace this morning? Say it like you mean it. Say grace, grace. 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 Say it like you believe it. Say grace, grace. 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 You know, for a long time, for a long, long time, I used to think grace, as we've spoken about it in this house for years now, is just a doctrine. A curriculum. something we just read. I really don't know anybody you ask as a believer. I say, do you believe in grace? I say, oh, yeah, yeah. Because when we eat, what do we do? We say the grace. If you're going on a journey, you say, Well, by God's grace, I'll I'll arrive safely. Uh, What are you going to do tomorrow? Oh, by God's grace. I mean, so most of us, for God knows how long, have been programmed to use that word almost like a doctrine, like a curriculum, just some theology. But I'm here to tell you this morning grace is not a curriculum, it is not a doctrine. It is a person. Ah, you're not hearing me this morning. Grace is a person. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 1.17 said, The law came through Moses. However, or but, Grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. So right there in that John one seventeen we see a classical verse of Scripture that triggers within us a contrast. The contrast between the law and grace. Because in that one verse, we are told, the law came through Moses. But it didn't stop there. It goes on to tell us, wait a minute, Moses is, the law came through Moses, but that's not the end of it. That, the, that grace and truth came Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this morning, I'm not going to do a contrast of the law and grace. But suffice it to say that clearly we see that under the law, we have a performance-based relationship with God. What do I mean by that? Under the law, you and I please God, get blessed by God, obtain favor from God based on our performance. Based on the things we do, or the things we don't do. Now, I'm not going to get into a lot of, I'm not going to get into weeds on that. Because that's not really where I'm going. But we must make that contrast, understand that contrast. Because that's, for the most part, that's the way we relate to God. If I do this, I get this. If I don't do this, this will not happen. So if something happens in your house, your car breaks down, or you get fired on a job, or your business don't prosper, you say, well, what did I not do for this to have happened? the enemy backs you to the wall and makes you feel like you had to do something to get something, or because you didn't do something, something didn't happen. And as long as you get in that rat race, you will not be able to fulfill what you just read. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. So now, under the law, it was a performance-based relationship. But under grace, we are not on a performance treadmill Trying to please God. No, God is already pleased in us through His Son Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus. Say Jesus. Ah, uh, you guys, my God, I'm the one that just came from Vietnam. You guys are sound like you're too tired. Say Jesus. Jesus! Amen. He's already pleased in and through Him, and as a result of God's pleasure in His Son. The favor is extended to us automatically if you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? In the passage we just read in Zechariah chapter 4, four the Bible says, It's not by might nor by power, saith the Lord. He said, This mountain, you mountain, which the mountain there, we can, we can define that. The mountain there is opposition. Obstacles, challenges, hindrances, impediment. In fact, let me back up a little bit. Let me give a context. I need to give a context. The context here, which is very important, is that Ezra, in Ezra chapter 3, along with his contemporary Nehemiah and Zerubbabel, left captivity in Babylon. Cyrus the king empowered them and said, Go back to Jerusalem. And build the temple. So they left. 42,000 of them. They left. And they came to Jerusalem. And they began to build the temple. And they laid the foundation. And after they laid the foundation. In Ezra chapter 3 or chapter 4. The enemy rose up against them. The enemy. And confronted them. And harassed them and challenged them, and intimidated them until they stopped building. So from this moment they stopped building, until this passage we just read in Zechariah chapter 4 was 16 years. So for 16 years, the enemy had their back to the wall. For 16 years, the enemy harassed them, intimidated them, and they could not do nothing. For 16 years, the mission that they left Babylon to come and do in Jerusalem for 16 years was left abandoned. I wonder this morning what you've left abandoned. I wonder this morning, what have you run away from because of opposition? I wonder this morning, what have you backtracked from because of hindrance? Because of harassment? Perhaps because of intimidation? What have you abandoned? What is it that God has placed in your hand that you've totally, completely picked race and gone the opposite direction because somebody said they don't like you? What is it? What is it that you, like the Israelites, have been trying to accomplish by the arm of your flesh, by the ingenuity of your brainstorming, by the ingenuity of your human wisdom, by the ingenuity of your effort, your own performance. What is it? In Acts chapter 7 and in verse 24 we read the story of Moses. Put it on the screen for me. Acts chapter 7. Verse 25. Give me verse 25. Okay. No, let's start from verse 24. This is concerning Moses while he was in Egypt. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. Next verse. For he, Moses, supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. Now, let me give a background. You can read this in Exodus chapter 3, I believe it is. Moses saw a Hebrew and an Egyptian having an argument. And he, Moses, had received the revelation that it was going to be through him that God would deliver Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. So, what did Moses think? Ah, if God is going to use me to deliver them. Let me me get in this argument. Egyptian boy. Upper court. The guy died. The next day he goes out again. And the Hebrews saw him say, Oh, Moses. Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Now, mind you, it is God that placed it in Moses' heart that you are going to be my deliverer. God spoke that to his heart. But Moses was going to carry out a God mission by the arm of his own flesh. Just like many of us right here, right now, under the sound of our voice, Receive a mission from God, a direction from God, a plan from God, and you think that because God gave it, you can do it on your own. By no man's strength shall any man prevail before God. Absolutely impossible. So Moses, you know, as we read the story, he had to flee because he realized where they've been, what they must have made. Can you imagine if Moses had tried to go against the Egyptian Army by the arm of his flesh to deliver Israel out of Egypt? How many people will he have to kill by himself? That mistake cost him 40 years in the back side of the desert to learn and to understand that by no mind strength shall anyone prevail before God. It's going to be not by might, not by power but by the Spirit of God. Because when God now got ready to do what he said he would do him and through Moses, all Moses had to do was just open his mouth and God did the work. And at the end of the day, God supernaturally delivered his own people from that bondage. Are you hearing this morning? Not by might, not by power, But by my spirit said the Lord. Now, I say, Pastor, what are you speaking on this Monday? I'm sorry, I should have told you that at the beginning. (laughs) The title of this message, we need a title, is that the Holy Spirit is the administrator of grace. Everything grace that Jesus has obtained for us will only be dispensed to us through the Holy Spirit. It's not by might. Not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. I don't care what it is. That's why Jesus said, listen, I'm going to go away, but I'll send you a helper. And he named and identified the helper, John chapter 14. He said, this helper is the spirit of God who will come in my name. He will teach you all things, show you things to come, guide you, lead you. So God wants you to know that all of what he has done for me and you through grace can only be received by faith through his spirit. Yes. Through his spirit. Yes. Are you following me this morning? Yes. This is huge. This is, the, this is where the, 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 the rubber meets the road when it comes to grace or anything else in God's kingdom. It can only be done by the spirit of God. I can tell you that for a fact. Now, I have two uh, diagrams. Give me the first one on the priest. The first one with the priest. There you go. In Zechariah chapter 4, the angel showed Zechariah a vision. Before I get to that vision, let me contrast that vision with what you are seeing now. In the book of Exodus chapter 27, don't go there, don't go there, I'm going to read it to you. Just keep that picture on the screen. Exodus 27, in verse 20, This is what God says to Israel. And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamb to burn continually. In the tabernacle of meeting, outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord. It shall be started forever to their generations on behalf of, of the children of Israel. Now, this is the deal. What you are looking at there is a golden lampstand or a replica of it that was in the tabernacle of Moses. In order to keep these lampstands burning, Israel was in a perpetual walk, walk mode. They had to go get olives, press it, get the oil, bring the oil to the priest. And a priest on a daily basis, morning and evening, must keep on pouring the oil into the lampstand so their lights don't go out. It was a statute in Israel forever. These lights must never, at any time, go out. But in order for them to sustain the burning lamps, people were on a treadmill of working 24-7. The Israelites go and press the olives, get the oil. Bring the oil to the priest. And the priest must not miss his shift in tending those lampstands morning and evening. Do you get that? Now give me the second picture. Thank you very much. So in Zechariah chapter 4, Zechariah chapter 4, Zechariah received a vision from the angel, and in that vision, in that vision, give me the second picture, please. There should be a second one, Zechariah chapter 4. Thank you. So in this vision, instead of what we, the picture we just saw, where the priests were doing the manual labor of producing the oil that was tending the lamp, God now said to Zechariah, or rather through Zechariah, to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, you started to build a temple opposition came against you. You stopped for 16 years. Now you are going to start back. When you now start back, this picture is a replica of how it's going to happen. I, God, i am planting two olive trees. One to the left of the lampstand, the other one to the right side. Right I'm piping the lamps directly to the tree. I'm eliminating any work from Israel or any work from the priesthood. The olives around the lampstand will automatically supply the lampstand on as needed basis. There will be no human machination. There will be no human element or effort involved. I, God, am the one that's going to do it. And because of that, Zechariah, Zerubbabel, it will not be by might, not by power, but the automation of my spirit. Because in this picture, there is no human element involved. This is what? All oh God. Just like I'm saying to you this morning, it's all Jesus. It's Jesus in the morning time. It's Jesus, Jesus noon time. It's Jesus at midnight hour. Anything that you and I will need, I am telling you, it's already packed in Jesus, the Son of God. It's not by might. Not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. The mountains will come down, my God. It will be as level as a plain. The mountain of opposition. The mountain of hindrances. The mountain of challenges. The mountain of circumstances. The mountains that has become a hindrance to your progress. Will have to come down. Not by might. Not by power. But by my spirit, Saith the Lord, oh, hallelujah! hallelujah. And then it ended said saying, grace, grace, grace. Look at the connection the Holy Spirit, we well are told in Hebrews chapter 10, is the spirit of grace. And here you see it clearly no human involvement. All oh God, say, All oh God, oh. say, All oh God. Hallelujah. I wish you can believe what you are saying. I wish you can believe what you are saying to the atmosphere, to the elements. I wish you can believe what you are saying that it's all God that's going to bring it to pass in your life. It's all God. Now, in the time that I have left, quickly I'm just giving four observations. Four observations about this Holy Spirit who is the administrator of God's grace, I hope you see the I hope you see the difference between what Israel did and what God says is going to happen. Did you guys see the difference in how they had to manually every day crush olives, produce oil? Um, did you see that difference as opposed to what God says is going to happen? This picture is what's happening in your life right now. This picture is what's happening in your life right now. Not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit. That's what's happening in your life right now. Now. Four observations. Number one, if you have a car and you don't have oil in your engine, what happens? Ah, common knowledge. You don't have to go to Bible school to know that. You don't have to go to Harvard to know that. You don't have to go to Cambridge to know that. Any time you have moving parts that is not properly lubricated, you have serious friction ultimately leading to a knocked engine. The number one observation about oil is that oil produces lubrication. Lubrication. What am I saying? I am saying to us this morning, on the practical terms, if you and I will submit to the power, the presence, and the leading of the Holy Spirit, The oil of God in our lives, we will eliminate friction in our relationships. The reason we have friction is because we lack oil. Like my guys in the South South will say, Oh yeah. The reason we have frictions, strife, enmity in our relationships. Is because our relationships lack lubrication. The oil of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Every time I've had an argument with my wife or an irritation, it is as a result of me not walking in the Spirit. Yeah. The moment I get outside of the Spirit and want to reason and make things happen in my own strength, yeah. I end up making a mess of it. Amen. Lubrication. Lubrication. That's the first practical application of this oil. If you have your car outside and your engine oil is low and you, don't, you keep on driving and ignoring the sign that says low engine oil, you'll be paying money to a mechanic very shortly because lubrication helps you minimize friction. If we are going to work as a body, body of believers in the same church, we have to be men and women Filled with the oil of God's Spirit, so that when irritations happen, when offenses take place, rather than responding in the like manner, rather than responding in the flesh, because I'm lubricated properly, I can accommodate my brother or my sister. I can give them slack. I can say, you know what, maybe, maybe, maybe I didn't get the whole picture. And this and this happens every day. Kiss in point. We're in Vietnam. My brother bought some, bought some gifts for a particular guy in the church we were we going to visit. And we both love this guy. We call him Chicago. That's the nickname we gave him. Because this guy's dreams, thinks, talks Chicago all day long. He said his parents want to send him to Japan to go to school. He said, no, I'm not going to Japan. I want to go to Chicago. He's, <laughs> he's never been to America. doesn't know jack about America, but Chicago is on his mind. So we said, well, your name is Chicago from now. So my brother bought him some Chicago t-shirts and... Baseball hat with Chicago on it. So we were looking forward to see him. And we got the church. He was not there. <laughs> How can Chicago miss church? <laughs> so I'm thinking, maybe this guy, is, maybe it's not real. Maybe all these stories he's telling us. Who knows? Maybe this, I mean, so I mean, all kinds of things are coming. And then we spoke to the pastor. I said, what happened to Chicago? Oh, Chicago was actually attending to another church member who was sick, helping them to mend. So he had a good reason for not being there. So the point I'm making is, if we did not get that added information, we could have left the place, thinking that Chicago, Miss Church, just goofing off. So what I'm saying to you is, in your relationships, many times, you only have one side of the story. You don't know what's happening in the other person's life for which they said or did what they did and you're already jumping to conclusion. You are not reading what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 24. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Yes, and you make a judgment about that person and you have no idea that you, you, are, you are totally completely off. Why? Because you lack lubrication. When you're well oiled, When the oil is flowing in your system, it will give you a caution, and that caution will say, well, "You know what? Don't jump into any conclusion. Get all the facts. And even after you've gotten all the facts, even if it means being uh, what was the word, second-fiddle uh, to win your brother or your sister, then do it. Lubrication, say lubrication. Lubrication, lubrication eliminates friction." So, the next time you are in an argument with your spouse, your friend, your brother, your sister, your co worker, your business partner, and you are blowing your fuse, remember it has to be because you are not well lubricated. Hello? You guys want more? That's the first thing. I'm going to do one more and then we're going to close and then we're going to continue on Wednesday night and we're going to continue next Sunday because this is, this is really the key. Everything grace that we've been talking about for years, it boils down to the Holy Spirit. It boils down to the Holy Spirit. It's one that dispenses the plans of God. Listen, think about it. Jesus in his earthly ministry did not cross every T and dot every I. Woo, look at the people. The guys, are looking at me. Can anybody show me a chapter and verse where Jesus said, don't smoke weed? Can anybody show me that? Don't smoke marijuana. Did he say that? You cannot find it. Now, I'm saying that. I'm I'm getting over the top. In saying that to you, to help you to understand, Jesus gave us a broad scope but he did not cross every T and dot everywhere. Why? Because he's given us the Holy Spirit. There are some things he did not touch because the church or rather the disciples were not ready. And he said it, John 16 verse 12. He said, I have many more things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them. So why why waste my time? Why? Why? I'm not going to go to Vietnam and start teaching eschatology. These guys need to be born again first. So Jesus is saying, there's much I could tell you, but you're not ready for it. Therefore, I'm going to leave that to the role and place of the Holy Spirit when he comes, he will teach you. John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16. Very, very clear. So I'm saying that to say, you and I do not have the luxury of playing or toying with the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that dispenses the grace of God is one that administers everything grace to us. So, one more thing, one more observation, and we're going to close it. One more observation. Oil helps with illumination, as we just saw in both diagrams or both pictures. Illumination. Now, when it comes to illumination, there are two sides of it. Two sides of illumination. The first one has to do with The element of direction. Direction. Okay? Uh, John chapter 8. No, no. Psalms 119, I'm sorry. Psalms 119. Illumination. Now, when you hear the word illumination, start thinking two things, okay? It's not just one. Two things. Psalms 119, verse... 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So that speaks to us of what? Path, direction, direction. The oil of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus said it in John chapter 16, it will guide you. It will show you things to come. So direction comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten stuck, don't know what to do, where to go, how to de- get there, and the Holy Spirit will just drop a rema word in your heart, and bang, all of a sudden, you get the direction. Yeah. You have understanding. I can't tell you how many times. I can't tell you how many times I'm preparing to speak, and I'm going to, through all these checklists. Is it this message? Is it that message? Is it that? And all of a sudden, bang, somebody just comes. And you know by the confirmation that this is exactly what God wants you to do. You know? It's happened today, already. Everything that's happened in this service up to me getting up to speak. Confirm that I'm, I'm to speak on what I'm speaking on now. Amen. Even though I have a whole notes full of different kinds of direction I could go. But I'm saying that to say the Holy Spirit is not a private enterprise. It's not an exclusive enterprise to some group of elite people. The Holy Spirit is available to everyone and wants to guide us, wants to give us direction, wants to help us to know what to do and when to do it. Paul was talking in Acts chapter 16. He was going to go down to Troas, Holy Ghost said, no, don't go. He was going to go to Bithynia, Holy Ghost said, no, don't go. Now, the same Holy Spirit that said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, said, don't go to these places. Why? Because he understands that those guys are not ready. They're not ready. And then he had a visitation where the angel said to him, where Macedonia, come and help us. And that became the direction. I'm saying to you, the Holy Spirit wants to guide you right now. You are in a valley of decision. Trying to know which job to take. What's good to go. Who to marry. What to do. Who to go in partnership with. And I'm saying to you, don't exclude the Holy Spirit from that direction. You see, for some reason, we think the Holy Ghost is reserved for the biggies. God forbid, somebody has cancer, they have this, and you say, oh, the Holy Ghost. But when it comes to the day-to-day essentials, we think that the Holy Ghost is too busy, he has no time for that. But the Bible says it's not by might, nor by power. But by my Spirit saith the Lord. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, back in the days, traditionally, we used to teach, believe, and think that you have to spend early hours of the morning from 6 a.m. to 8 o'clock to just praying the Holy Ghost for two hours a day. And once you've done that, you're good for the rest of the day. Hello? Jesus said men ought to always pray and not offend. What am I saying? I'm saying to you, it's not the early morning prayer that you pray and you neglect talking to him all day long. That's not where it's at. He wants to be in relationship with us. What will it be like for a husband and wife to wake up in the morning, greet your wife and say, honey, you look good. God bless you. You say that at 7 a.m. and you don't talk to her again or talk to him again until night time. Oh, is that the way you guys behave? The way you guys are looking at me. The Holy Ghost will rather have you at different parts of the day, touching base. Blessed Holy Ghost. I thank you. I thank the Holy Spirit. I bless you. I mean, all day long. He wants to come in all day long. That's how you get direction. You just don't part two hours or one hour, 30 minutes in the morning and, you, and just go about your business by might by power, and you think the spirit of, no, 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 it's not the rubber stamp. No. He wants to engage. He wants you to talk to him. He wants to talk back to you. Which you anticipate that when we talk to him, he responds. It's an all day, all through the day thing. And we need to cultivate that habit of doing that. Amen? All day long. Jesus, I thank you. Every every opportunity you get, you need to talk to Jesus by the Spirit. Either directly in English or whatever language you speak or in the Holy Ghost. But all day long, listen, if you just do this this week, you come back and give me testimonies. I'm telling you what works. Just developing and cultivating the habit of just saying, Jesus, I just thank you. Every little blessing, every little thing he does, every just to breathe in. Jesus, I thank you. Oh, what a beautiful day. What a sudden, Lord Jesus, I thank you. Wow, I bless your name today, Lord. You are a great God. You are awesome. Thank you. Thank you for making me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All day. Every given opportunity you get to talk to him. So illumination, number one, it gives us direction. That word is a lamp under my feet and a light on my path. Secondly, and very, very important, not only does it give us direction on the illumination, it also gives us insight, insight. Insight is another form of illumination. Insight into something, something you are not thinking about. Maybe you are work, you're you are an IT, you're an engineer, you're a mathematician, you're a doctor, whatever you are, you're a nurse. And you've been doing something by rote, by routine every day, every day. Say more, same old, say more, old, same, old, same old. And Jesus just comes and gives you insight on how you can do that same thing in a different way to bring a better, better result. Bang! Everything changes. Insight. A classic example, John chapter 8. John chapter 8. The brother woman that was caught in adultery. Now to show you the craziness and the hypocrisy of these jokers. They came to Jesus and said, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. The law of Moses says, X, Y, Z, that we should stone her to death. What says you? (laughs) Now, I don't have time to to show it to you in the scripture. The scripture clearly says... That when you catch a man and a woman, both of them should die. Both, under their law, two passages says that both of them should die. But this joke has brought just one as if the woman was committing adultery by herself. But the insight I'm talking about is. So they they, they put Jesus in a corner and wanted him to make a decision. Because our law says X, Y, Z, stone hard to death, point blank. But you are the Messiah. What are you going to do? Now, don't forget the context. The context is what? Under the law. So under the law, indeed, the woman was guilty, and the mind was as well, even though they didn't bring the mind. But Jesus did not even argue the merit of that case. He, did, he didn't have to get that far. Because that same law says, if you stumble in one out of the 613 laws, there are 613 of them, laws of Moses. The law says, if you do 612 very well, Harvard will give a good score, 612 out of 613. You pass in Harvard. Yeah. Oxford will clap for you. But the law says if you miss one out of 613, you're finished. You are guilty in So these jokers, that body the woman, they, they, they were daring Jesus to say, you know what? We didn't commit adultery. But she did. And the law says, so Jesus said, oh, really? Okay, so you didn't commit adultery. How about lying? How about forgery? How about hypocrisy? And he started writing on the ground. And the Bible says they were all convicted. Now, this is the point. <laughs> it's not debating with them whether the woman was guilty or not. It was just asking them, Are you sure? Are you really perfect? You that's accusing somebody else. Are you sure your, your situation is covered? You are pointing a beam. And the speck is in your own eyes. Are you sure that you are clear? Do you have the right to do what you are doing? So he gave us insight in that situation as to how you make judgment. Instead of just jumping to a conclusion, the insight he brought in that situation is, God does not condemn you and therefore go and sin no more. Are you hearing me? Folks, let's let's stop there today. But let me just say this to us. This issue of trying to live on a performance treadmill. God help us. You won't get anywhere. I'll give you one last example and I'm going to close. King Saul. God told him, Go destroy the Amalekites. You read the story? Kill everybody. Beast, men, woman, children. Everybody kill them all. The guy went. Killed 99% of them. Left the king alive and a few animals. And he came bragging to someone. Ah, I've done what God told me to do. Hallelujah. Maybe he had a swagger. Yes. Very proud of his accomplishment. Someone said, really? Meh. Meh. What am I hearing bleating over there? You left some animals alive and you said you did what God told you to do? Instantly, he lost the kingdom. Because under the law, there's no remedy. This is the more reason you and I should be living under grace. Living on the basis of the perfected, finished work of Christ, resting in his finished work. That's where the Holy Spirit moves in. As long as you're doing it, the Holy Ghost has nothing to do. Amen? Amen? Let's be lubricated. Let the oil of the Spirit of God flow in us and through us so that every friction in our relationships can be ironed out. Don't keep on living and just uh, wounding or allow yourself to be wounded and don't fix it. You're a wreck waiting to happen. God forbid. Amen? And in the illumination of the Spirit of God. And this illumination comes only by you and I communing with the Spirit. The word is communion, not just praying, but communion. Communion means we're engaging back and forth. Back and forth. We're going to pick it up on Wednesday, and we're going to pick it up next week because there's a lot to the Holy Spirit's uh, dispensing or administering the grace of God to us. But for today, just remember, those two things. Every friction is as a result of lack of oil. And when we lack direction or insight, it's because perhaps we need to employ the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why God calls him the help power. Amen? Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pour the balm of the uh, oil of, of Gilead in every relationship that is represented under the sound of my voice. God, that we will humble ourselves and accept the help of the helper that you sent into our lives, the Holy Spirit. That we'll accept the help to ease and straighten out All the frictions that seeks or tends to break our relationships. The relationship for which you pay the price. So that there will be an effective working power of the various parts of the body for the effective growth of the body in you and in Christ. Father, we thank you. We humble ourselves. By that we admit, we accept that you are able to help us. And that we receive your help. And then we take the courage and the resolve to open our mouth. To do whatever it takes to our spouses, our friends, our siblings, whoever it is that's wronged or injured to bring restoration. Holy Spirit, we give you a place in our lives. We embrace you. We acknowledge you. You are the one that administers grace. You are the one that dispenses grace. And so we embrace you. We thank you. We welcome you. We welcome you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for guidance. Thank you that your word is a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our path. Thank you for the illumination that comes from you. Thank you for insight into critical problems or issues that we face. Thank you that we have the mind of Christ because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We walk in that righteousness. We thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. We honor you. We bless you. In Jesus' name.